Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 106 of NerdPod Generations. As always, I am one of your illustrious hosts, Steve Taylor, along with the lovely Al Jets. I'm hello, sir. Hello, friends and enemies. This is going to be a different episode because I'm a fucking idiot, and I thought Oppenheimer was this weekend. Yeah, a little funny thing happened on the it's way to the forum. It's next weekend! Yeah. So, I'm a dummy, well, but we have a good show. To be fair, we're both dummies, because I woke up this morning planning out when I was going to go pee because I needed to know... Like, what I was going to do before I was Oppenheimer. And then I look at my phone, I see the text from you being like, hey, it's next week. And I was like, oh. And it had never crossed my mind. But see, this is why I'm king of the dummies, though. I bought the fucking tickets. I saw the date when I bought the tickets. You also sent that exact screenshot to me. I've looked at that screenshot <laughs> five or six times. So I, I still attest we are oh on almost, if not equal footing on Can this Can I one. tell you how disappointing it was? It was like getting socks for Christmas. Yeah. I was so sad because I was, I can't, like, I've seen more interviews where I've done, you just said it's the greatest movie's ever been a part of. And I'm like, dude, you were in Tropic Thunder, so obviously this movie's got to be great. Yeah. And I'm just like. I fucking... I, I want to see it so bad. I know. I know. And, like, everything... We're going to get to the writer slash yes, actor yes. strike and everything that happened there. Jeez, man. I, I was like... When I saw that, I was like, well, I guess it works out that Asteroid City already dropped on digital... And I bought it, and we've both seen it. Yes. So we can yes. do we can do so an episode. So we are going to have a great show. We're going to talk about the the secret invasion this week yep. and Star Trek: uh, Strange New Worlds, and then we're going to talk. We're going to give our review of Asteroid City, which we want to do anyways. Yeah. And I am kind of happy it came out early. I was shocked. Yeah, I was Same amazed. Same with Transformers is out now. Yeah, I know. I could not. I that like Asteroid City. You can make an argument like it's an art house film. Yes. Blah blah blah. Transformers is already on digital. Yeah. Transformers came out a week after Across the Spider-Verse, which does drop on digital on Tuesday, and I'm going to buy it. But I I, I could not the believe thing is, when though, I saw that. Spider-Verse is knocking on the door of a billion, where I don't think Transformers is no, even half a No, I think that billion. this was always their plan. Yeah, because I, I think the Transformer franchise needs to be rebooted, and maybe to an animated movie or something, because that, I think you know, people I think, are done with the live action. I think that might be... Maybe what we can do next to revitalize the systems of movies that are currently going on yes. is start doing more animated features. They really need to. Because some of these movies <clears throat> that get made these days would be more interesting as animated features than as yes. live-action movies. Yes. And it's just like, well, maybe we lean into that and, you know, bring back artistry in this country as well. Because, like, you can still have all the Korean artists you want. That's fine. But, like, also develop a pool of artists here there's a lot of people on the internet that are extremely talented and yeah. would do very well to have an outlet that's not flash animation and that's the thing is it and we'll get into this with the strikes going on the fact is hollywood doesn't want to pay these people to do their work no and so most of them are just doing freelance stuff online or doing their own thing online yeah and you know putting stuff up on youtube and making a good amount of money doing it that way so it's like well why the fuck would i go do a hollywood Hollywood movie and not make dick mm-hmm. if I could go work uh, on my own at my own pace put it up on YouTube and make a bunch of money yeah and so, like I, I see both sides mm-hmm. of the story like you know I've seen people that started on YouTube and have graduated to now working in a, an actual mm-hmm. not studio but like a higher level environment where it's a bunch of artists and then you see people that do graduate to like you know they have a show on Cartoon Network mm. that they're doing and whatnot, but like I I just don't know how we've gotten so far away where all Disney shows are flash animated these days. Like you have some great voice acting in shows like Ducktales and other things. Not a single finger has touched those. Like it's just all yeah. flash animation, and it's just 
but why? <laughs> you could I be. Don't get it. You were one of the greatest animation studios of all time, twice. You still technically are, but like, why? Why does all of your like daily animation stuff look like shit? And then you come out with a movie once a year, twice a year that does look amazing. But, like, all the, the, the base level stuff, it all looks like shit. Why is that? Why not do something better? Well, I want to take that and roll it into our what have we been watching, playing, reading, because I think we should start with discussing the writer and actor strike. I think it's what we should do. And the reason why I, I like their transition is because Bob Iger... Yeah, he's been in some hot water He's recently. been in hot water with shit he said, except he did say... Okay, so one thing he said is he thought their demands were completely uh, Unreasonable. unrealistic. Where he, he makes... I think $27 million, not including bonuses, a year. Yeah. And he's saying that people who are making like $25,000 a year that don't want their likeness taken in perpetuity for the rest of their lives yeah, for is $200. being unrealistic. It's like, dude. Yeah, no. He said some really stupid shit. The yeah. one that I love was when he was talking about unrealistic uh, expectations and yes. things. And the interviewer like asked him to talk more about that and give some examples. And he's like, I can't. I can't give any examples. And it's like... So you, you're just talking out your ass. Exactly. You're just fully talking out your ass. And what's sad is he's talking out of his ass, even though he said earlier, some I, th- I don't know if it was the same day or not, something intelligent, which was, we're doing too many Marvel fucking TV shows and movies, and it's oversaturating everything. It's like... Uh, and whose fault is that, Bob? Well, he did just recently take back over again, so I don't know if it's necessarily his... But still, that's not the writer's fault. Yes. That's not anybody's fault except for uh, who's at the top of this production Which, chain. Yeah, yeah, now it is you. Yeah. Unless, I don't know if he has like some agreement with Feige or something, but... I don't know, but like it's. I agree, it is oversaturation. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's bad. not just oversaturation, it's <clears throat> bad oversaturation. Yes. I paused Secret Invasion a little, little look ahead at the review to come. I paused Secret Invasion several times... To note how bad the writing was. For a 36-minute episode. It was terrible yeah. at times. Oh, it was horrible. Terrible at times. So, for those of you that don't know, have been living on a, a island somewhere. There is there is has been a writer strike. I believe it's it's, it's 71 days. Yeah, now, it's been going like on for quite a while. At because they they don't feel the compensation, mainly dealing with streaming. Yeah. And the actors just went on strike like three days ago because yeah. they have the same issues. And when I heard the whole AI bullshit. To where they're saying if you're a background actor, they want to be able to take your likeness and just AI it for the remainder without getting paid for any of it. You get $200 to step into the scanner, and then you never get to control your likeness ever again. That's crazy. That's literally the plot of a Black Mirror episode. And the fucked up thing is, say you do it for Paramount Studios, and then you try to go to Universal Studios, so like, no, your likeness has already been scanned to Paramount, so you can't do anything with us. Yeah. What the fuck is this dystopian That's bullshit? That's so fucking insane. That's crazy. That is insane. And they're saying that the writers and actors have unrealistic yeah. expectations. Yes. And I'm looking at, like, I don't know if you <laughs> saw this, but um, what's her name? Let me make sure I get her name right. I think. Uh, well, while you're looking that up, my the, the one that really stuck with me was Sean Gunn. Was, um, they interviewed him. He's on the picket line. For those of you who don't know, he's in Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. and he's James Gunn's brother. He's that guy that always shows up. He's Craglin. He's, yes. he's the one we complain about. Well, but his he, best role ever... He had a good point. <laughs> yes, his best role ever was in Gilmore Girl. Yes. He played this weirdo. He was uh, awesome. Kirk. Kirk. Awesome. I loved him in Gilmore Girl. He... And this blew my mind. It is one of the number one stream shows on Netflix, oh, yeah. and he doesn't get a dime. No. No. A dime no. in residuals. That is so fucked up. Yeah. 
And he even said, he goes, you know, they're giving each other multi-million dollar bonuses, the guys that run Netflix. And he's like, dude, how, how is my work being, being streamed by millions of households and I'm not getting a penny? Yeah. And that right there, like, if, if anyone was against the writer or against the writers or actors and you see that and you're still against them, you can go to fucking hell. I'm sorry. That right there is, like, the most in-your-face example of what's going on. Yeah. So the one that I was thinking of was I saw a post by Mara Wilson who okay. was Matilda back in the 90s. She was in yes. Mrs. Doubtfire. Yes, yes. Um, she was in the remake of uh, Miracle on 34th Street. Yep. Um, she had a post on... Twitter or threads or whatever people are doing these days where she talked about how she doesn't do a lot of acting as an adult, uh-huh. but the amount of acting that she's done as an adult has been as part of big tentpole pieces for Disney, and she does not make enough year to year to qualify for SAG uh, health insurance. Which is $26,000. And that's crazy. $26,000. And it, I just, I, these, when you, when you put it in terms like that, and it's like, it, we're not striking for the sake of Tom Cruise. We're not even striking for the sake of Tom Hanks. And hell, we would all strike if Tom Hanks just said, "Hey, everybody, get out of your houses. We're all just gonna go shake, cha- you know, fences and yeah. and you know, rattle chains." And we would all fucking do it because it's Tom Hanks. Mm. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the the people lower down the chain who also need to be given a chance. Because I've known a lot of people that have tried to get into acting, and it's really fucking hard yeah. and once you get in it's hard to stay in and it's it's just another roadblock that yeah. keeps really talented people well, I saw out. an interview with I, I believe it was Matt Damon because they uh, all the, the leads of Oppenheimer at their premiere I believe in Germany as soon as they walked the red carpet left because they didn't want to sit I think it was in LA was it in LA? I think it was in I LA I think it was. it was the LA premiere it might have been I, let me I, check they've been all over the world so I haven't had yeah. a hard time I believe it was Matt Damon, though. He said, you know, there's like 5% of SAG are the multimillionaires like him. And he goes, I'm going to support everyone because he goes, I know a lot of these actors who are barely scraping by and a lot of it is residuals. Yeah. And if they can't get residuals, they can't be actors. And he goes, he goes, I don't give a fuck, you know, AI and all that. If you don't have people doing voice work, because AI could easily take over voice work. Mm-hmm. And he's like, y- y- these people will be out of jobs, and you have all of this artistic expression is just gone. And no matter how good a computer can be, you cannot duplicate it. That's the other crazy thing, is that the Emmy nominations just dropped this week. So that was a whole thing. And some of the, the some of the things that have been nominated are things like Rosalind, which cannot be viewed anywhere. Yeah. Because it was on a Hulu, it was made for Hulu, and because it wasn't getting enough streams, Hulu decided to free up some space on their servers, I guess, yeah. and got rid of it. But they haven't made it available to anyone else to watch, so you literally can't see it anywhere. And there's a gigantic list of these movies from earlier this year yeah. that that has happened to. Oh, yeah. You just cannot see them anywhere. They basically do not exist. Mm-hmm. And that pisses me off so much like i'm ready to go hire pirates and be like hey Mm. i don't necessarily need to own this movie but now i do because these motherfuckers took it away for no reason well one of them and i've been trying to find it on blu-ray and i can't true lies yeah arnold schwarzenegger movie you can buy it on streaming but if you want to get a physical copy you have to get a dvd or a vhs that's worth a ton of money because they just don't have it it's like 
when you have a movie like that, a big tentpole James Cameron Arnold Schwarzenegger movie that you can't fucking find, it's insane. It was the UK premiere. Oh, it was the UK. I, I knew it was overseas. I just yeah. couldn't remember. The whole thing is just crazy. Like yes. I've never, and I, I've, <laughs> I've been watching movies a long time. A long time. Um, and I've never seen anything like this where millions of dollars are spent. Days, weeks, months of labor are put into things. Whole aspirations are built and, and completed. And you finish the thing and you release it in some form. And it's just gone. Yeah. It's just gone. And it's not like these movies were out for, you know, five years and they just didn't get back any kind of views so they were like okay we can retire them now they've had a fair chance some of these movies have only been out for nine months yeah and it's in, it's crazy to me that movies that came out last summer mm. or later are now no longer available you look at something like turning red or prey like those were successful movies if they weren't as quote unquote successful oh they'd as, be gone they'd be gone and those movies are amazing yeah and the idea that they could be gone is outrageous. Yeah. It's insane to me. Which I believe Turning Red has a physical version, but not... I don't think Prey, Prey does. does. not have a yeah, physical, physical version, version, and you can't buy it on Voodoo. Same as The Legend of Vox Machina. Yeah. You can't buy that anywhere. I just bought all the seasons of Castlevania because I'm terrified that's going to get taken off yeah. of Netflix. And I'm like, I can't not be able to watch that show. Yeah, no, and it's it's so... All of it is just so frustrating Yeah, from the third-party perspective of a person who's a fan of these writers and wants to see them get the oh, recognition yeah. that they deserve. And then you get into, like, the streaming service side of it, where it's like, I, you know, I'm not going to cancel my service because I know that a lot of people in the industry say, don't do that, because then the the um, studios will be like, see, we told you, yes. it's super volatile, and we can't pay you because look how volatile it is. Yeah. And so it's like, don't cancel anything, okay, but at the same time, I'm so fucking frustrated with some of these services at this yeah. point. And I'm just like, I'm not going to call the pirates, but <laughs> I have their number. I know, where to, I know and, where to find them. And the reverberations before, well, before I say this, I just want to say real quick, fuck the Emmys because you nominated Obi-Wan for an Emmy, but not Andy Serkis for That's Andor. That's insane. So you can go fuck yourself. That's insane that Obi-Wan was nominated I, I laughed. I laughed out loud when I saw it's that. It's so bad. I want to reiterate to everybody that the, the little girl who played Leia in this, yeah. when they were filming it, mm -hmm. she had moments where she looked at the director and had the same exchange that Ben Affleck had with Michael Bay vis-a-vis -vis Armageddon, mm -hmm. where she said... Isn't it a little blah, blah, blah that this is happening and it doesn't really make any sense? And don't worry about it. Just keep going. It's yeah, fine. Don't worry about it, kid. Don't worry about the fact that it looks like Obi-Wan has a giant, weirdly shaped tumor with legs under his coat. It's, it's fine. Don't worry about this fence post in the middle of nowhere that is apparently impenetrable, even though there's literally, it's not like there's a cliff or anything. It's just open plains on the side of it. Why? You gotta remember though, Obi Wan hiding Leia came right after headbutting a stormtrooper. So I mean, you're talking about insanity. Okay, but I don't want to get off on this tangent. I, I do want to. I do want to note that is happening a lot. Is people headbutting people with helmets on? Yeah. And I'm just like, this is fucking stupid. It really is. This dumb. is, and it happens so much now. Yeah. I can't get over it. I don't know if it's just that I've been watching more Star Wars stuff or what, but it happens so much, and I'm like, he's wearing a fucking helmet, and you're not. This is a terrible idea. Yeah. You're gonna be unconscious on the floor. Yeah. But the the big issue this is really causing is it's gonna well, 
it's an issue for most. I think it's going to be a blessing for Disney. Uh, probably. It always is. Well, because um, all the movies have stopped. Yeah. Movies and TV shows have stopped filming. Deadpool, no, I think, has stopped at Deadpool this point. Deadpool 3 has stopped, they said today. <laughs> Thank the gods. Um, but yeah, everything's pretty much stopped. Yeah. Where I think this is going to save Disney mm-hmm. is the Jonathan Major situation. Yeah, it's going to give them time to figure that out. It's going to give out. them time to figure that shit out because they can't release anything. No. And they'll be able to push Loki because they could say, oh, well, we have to do reshoots. And it's like, yeah, you need to fucking replace uh, an abuser. That's abuser. what you need to do. Yeah. So I think that is going to help Disney. But everyone else is fucked. Like all these big movies that are supposed I, I like Deadpool 3 is supposed to be May of next year. That isn't going to happen. That's going to get pushed at least to June Absolutely or July. Gonna, I mean, they were already had their hands tied because they couldn't ad-lib because they started after the writer's strike, so they couldn't change the script yeah. at all. And now they're going to go back and reshoot all those scenes. Oh, absolutely. Because why wouldn't add, you? Yeah, of course. Why wouldn't you? But like, who knows how long it'll be. Like, A lot of people are saying this could really go on for a long time because those studios are such The studios are it. just so up their own ass about yeah. it. And it's to a point that I've never seen before. This is not the first time I've seen a strike of one kind or another. I've seen many writer strikes. Mm. I look at this and I'm just like, this is crazy how they're mm. approaching it. You know, the the way that they are literally speaking from yachts about... Oh, it's so insane. ...waiting for the writers to be out of house and home and, and be starving and be just so willing to give up everything to come back and work. And they're just saying it. They're just saying it out loud. And it's it's like I saw a clip of some politician talking about how Hitler and Goebbels and other mm. people controlled the media and that's what made them powerful. Mm. And I'm just like... You're not supposed to... What are you doing? Yeah, you're saying the parts out loud that you shouldn't be saying out loud. What are you... You're, you're admitting to being a Nazi. You're yeah. admitting to being a, a basically a capitalist fascist at, at this point with some of these studio heads. I'm just it's like... F- it's so fucking nuts. Let them, let them starve in the streets and we'll have them come back when, they're, when they've learned their yeah. lesson and their place. Well, I think they said the last actor strike, the, it was like... I want to say it was like a 30% difference between the most a studio had made to a normal actor, and now it's 400%. Mm-hmm. And they're like, dude. Yeah, no, it's insane. You gotta fucking, come on. It's now. insane. Because they're making so much money off of streaming. Oh, yeah, and they don't want to admit it. No. They all cry poor, we're losing so much money on streaming. And then you go to their fucking investor meetings, and it's like, hey, baby, you want... You, how much can I give you today? I got yeah. like five billion in my pocket. Yeah. How much do you want? And it's just like, what is this garbage? What is this bullshit? And you know, by I don't want to take it here, but like we're complicit now because we're part of yeah. the the public, you know, consuming things through these streaming services. And it's like, I if you're gonna do it, man, you can't do it this way. This fucking sucks. Which I I've been using this comparison. I'm now comparing Disney to EA. Oh, that's for those a, of you in the yeah. video game world, because EA acquired a bunch of studios with very popular um, games and and very popular genres, and then fucked them all up, like they did with the Star Wars license, where they completely screwed it up. Ask Kelly about how she feels about how EA handles The Sims. Oh God, they screwed The Sims up so bad. Oh yeah, like when it was on its own, that was a a freight train. Yeah. And, and Disney is doing the exact same thing with Indiana Jones and Star Wars and MCU and all. They're fucking it all up. And all of them are failing at once. And Pixar. How are you fucking up Pixar? All of them are failing at once, which is so unreal. Yes. Like, it's so crazy to have, like, it's one thing if people are like, oh, it's there's too much Marvel out there, which there is. Or, oh, there's too much Star Wars out there, which we're getting there. Um, 
or like oh you know the pixar stuff isn't very good mm. you know like we've we've seen pixar fail before we've seen people get blasé about the mcu before but they're all failing at once yes. even indiana jones is it failed they had to pull willow willow was one of the ones that got pulled out of shame yeah. for how well it quote, well it did yeah. and like that that Lest we forget, the last episode of that has book one of three on yeah. the shelf. Like, they were so bought in on all these ideas, and then they didn't actually make good things. No, they made terrible so things. So it, it didn't work out real well for them. Like, yeah. I I can't... There there have been MCU movies I liked more than other ones, mm. but none of them in Phase 4 have come anywhere close to oh, even, not even, even some of the lower moments in Phase 3. I mean, nothing was as bad as Homecoming, but Black Widow made a run at it. Yeah. Like, she, that movie was really bad. And then I would even say Thor Love and Thunder made a run at that. Yeah. Like, I put that up there with Homecoming and Thor to the Dark Thor. Yeah. Like, it's up there. Iron Man 3. Yeah. You know, it's like... It up. No, and like even when you have a strong move like Shang Chi, where just like oh this is going well, this is going well, this is Trevor Slattery. Oh my god! And it's just like well, I guess I still bash my head against the table. And it's, it's like, just oh, how did we get here? You made the same mistake twice. And when we get into Secret Invasion, I want to talk. They have a new addition to the Marvel method. Yeah, that like I was shocked. And we'll talk about We're that. We're going to talk about it. There's okay. so many things in there that so, were just terrible. Writer strike, you know, writers, actors, we're on your side. Yeah. I do love that Christopher Nolan, even though the directors, they did get what they want because they redid their contract, I believe it was last year. Yeah. Um, but he, even Nolan said, he goes, I will not touch a camera until this is resolved. He goes, I don't give a shit. He goes, I'm not going to like be one of those directors that says, well, I'm still good, so I'll just get actors that need work yeah. and to cross the pick line. I'll get goes, scabs. I'll never do that. Yeah. No, I'm no, good for you, dude. And, and I've seen a lot of that. Um, anybody who follows Dropout, you mm-hmm. know, anybody who has listened to this show knows I'm a big fan of Dropout. Uh, the guy that runs Dropout, Sam Reich, mm-hmm. uh, had a great open letter that he posted online about what's going on with them and how they're approaching everything. And, mm-hmm. and it was just like this real solidarity of like, He's a producer type and a talent, mm. and he, he's still coming in and saying like, "No, we're not we're not going to fuck around with this. This is mm. some bullshit, and we're going to see what we can do to help." They were going to push for an Emmy nomination, and they decided to put all that money into the writers' pool for struggling writers who can't make ends meet because of the strike. See, and this is what I'm hoping: actors like The Rock, Robert Downey Jr., that have made hundreds of millions of dollars. I hope they are putting some money into the writers, not only the writers but the Actors Guild. To at least like cover the health insurance and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, it's like now is your time. Yeah, you don't need all this money. Yeah, put it in. Like put some in. Get all the super super wealthy actors together. Put some money in to help these people. You don't need another hot tub for your second house. No, it's okay. You can put that money towards something exactly. much better. Exactly. And and you know a lot of actors already do. You look at we were talking about Matt Damon earlier. Yes, he's going to go down in history as one of those people that wasn't just an actor but also an activist. Yeah. Um and. I I just I I hope that this resolves better than a lot of the other strikes have, mm-hmm. and I hope that the production companies get their asses handed to them, because I think it is almost time to get the torches and pitchforks out, and yeah, not it's getting close. Not just for this, like this is just a microcosm of where things are going to be going mm-hmm. in the next ten years. So we're gonna see how this all resolves. But it's just funny you said Matt. I will always love Matt Damon because he loves and appreciates 
his little part in Team America World Police. It's like, for them to make fun of him so much, he goes, I love those guys, and I loved every minute of it. He has a really great sense of humor. He really you, does. You look at the stuff with Kimmel. Oh, like, he's, he's been doing so this stuff funny. with Kimmel for so long, yeah. and he always has a good sense of humor about it. I mean, it all started with a fucking Matt Damon, which yeah. was one of the best videos yeah. ever. Yeah. It's such a great video. Oh, man, the, the halcyon days when Sarah Silverman and Jimmy Kimmel work. Oh. Wow, it was so funny. that'll take so you funny. back to the mid two thousands. So we gotta we gotta keep moving on with this. So yes. um, you wanted to talk about Tears yes. of the Kingdom. So again. I'm almost done with Tears of the Kingdom. Yes. I have done everything short of actually just beating the game. Mm. But I have all the armor. I've I've gone to all the places. There's some Sky Islands I need to get. I haven't finished all the shrines. So like, there's that one piece of armor that I don't have, but it's a really ugly, stupid piece mm. of armor, um, which quote unquote makes you look like Raru, and mm. it, it doesn't. It's just it's really creepy. It's like you're wearing this death mask of Raru on your face. It's like, I don't like this. Mm. So I'm okay. I don't need to find all the shrines yet. Um, but I I think I'm going to... I teeter. I'm at a point right now where I teeter back and forth. Is this a A minus? Is this a B plus? Is this an A minus? Is this a B plus? Mm. Because there's just so many moments every time I play where something that should work doesn't work. And it just becomes maddening. Mm. And all of it... Or not all of it, but a a great deal of it has to do with the constructs that you mm. build. You know, there's stuff like I went to. I always want to call it Outset Island, the the <laughs> island where you lose your equipment in the first one. Mm. Eventide went to Eventide Island. There's a pirate mission there, and I had seen Kelly do it, so I went to where the pirates were, and they weren't there. And the reason they weren't there was because I hadn't talked to the guy on the beach mm. that activated the mission that spawned the pirates. And there's been a lot of moments like that, but also there's some patches that have fixed some of those moments, uh, which I have not downloaded because I have a cloning lab, and I'm quite chuffed with my cloning lab, mm -hmm. and I am not quite ready to shut it down. We're almost there. We're mm -hmm. almost at the point where the cloning lab can be shut down, but we're not quite there yet. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, constructs make me crazy. Huh? I, I kind of hate constructs. I kind of really I hate constructs. I miss the Guardians. Like, I would take the Guardians over the constructs. I, I just find, like, the constructs that you make, they make me so mad. Mm. Because they never work as I would think they would. Like, I've gotten to a point, we've, we've crossed the whole line at this point, where, like, I start out and I'm like, okay, I'm going to build all my own constructs. And they all fail. All the time. Mm -hmm. Every time. So I'm like, okay... I have, like, these three constructs that don't fail every time, so I'll save them, and then I'll just do the ones that you unlock by playing the game, where mm. you get the, the schema stones and all these other things. Okay, fine, I'll do that. Even then, mm. <laughs> even then, the failure point is so high and so often that I'm like, I, this could be me, but it's it's... So prolific that I also don't know if it's just me. I think that there's just problems with some of the design here. Mm. The amount of roots I've gotten stuck on where it's like, okay, I'm stuck on this route because I couldn't turn around it because everything steers like a cow. Okay, that's fine. Let me move the thing out from behind the route. Oh, nope. Just the very little corner is still stuck on the, the route. And instead of it like turning or pushing or anything, it fully stops this entire device from mm. moving forward. So now i got to get off and move it again. Or the one that makes me the most crazy. Mm. I want to love the flying devices. I've built so many flying devices. They all fucking suck because you can't land them. Mm. You can't actually control 
how high you're going. You always go up. There's no way to go back down without just deactivating the entire device. And then you're just free falling out of the sky. And if you lose sight line of the thing, it fucking despawns. Mm -hmm. I've had so many devices despawn because I got too far away from them. Because I had to go around something because the thing wouldn't go up the hill or around this thing. So I was like, okay, I'll go around on my own, and then I'll come back and get the thing when I'm on my way back like a horse. Oh, wait, it despawned. It's gone. Okay, well, I guess I didn't need any of those resources. That's cool. I love that. And it's just so maddening, the amount of sky islands I've missed, because there's no way to land the fucking device. Mm -hmm. You can't control your descent at all. You disengage, and Link just fully lets go of the device. So you're just in free fall. You can't turn off some engines and keep some on so you can control your descent. There's nothing. There's no way to land. And it's so frustrating. <laughs> it's one of those things where every time I play, I'm like, I want to use this. Because this is the big thing in the game. Mm. This is how they've made the game special. And it's supposed to make it so you can do anything you want in the game. That's how it's advertised. It's like, now you can play the game any way you want. You want to build a giant mech, you can do it. You want to make a race boat out of other mm. boats with a giant paddle wheel, you can do it. And I'm like, then why can't my hover sled go up a hill? Mm. <laughs> Am I getting stuck on everything? Why can it go up some stairs and not other stairs? Why, why, why this? Why this? Why have I lost so many aircraft? Mm. <laughs> because there's no way to, to control your descent. So if you're in the underground, you get to the top. And then you're just grinding against the top. So now you can't move forward. So you have to disengage. And then you free fall. And you can't get your device back. Mm. And now you have to build a new one. And it's... Why? <laughs> this is maddening. And it just happens to me every time I play. Mm. And so, like, I love so many aspects of this game. Mm. I really love the story. I think that, by and large, the characters are better here than in Breath of the Wild, with mm. the exception of the sages, uh, the old sages at least. The, mm. the new sages I actually like quite a bit, but the old sages are just so bland and boring. The writing is very touch-and-go at times. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's very redundant. Which goes with most Japanese yeah. RPGs. But, like, man, I, I love elements of this game. I love all the combat. I love all the fighting. I love going out and exploring. I wish that the way that I explored was easier mm. <laughs> and didn't fail literally every time I try and use it. To the point where the most I'll use a construct is I'll put a shield... Or I'll put uh, one of the, the crates mm. on a shield and use it to skateboard around. And that's it. <laughs> I can't. I'm getting to a point where it's just like, fuck it. I'm done. I'm fucking done with trying to make this work. That does work. happen to me a lot where I'm just like, I'm just going to run. Exactly. I'm not even going to make exactly. it. Exactly. This isn't working. Yeah. And I, nothing I do can make it work. And if I did get it to work, it would inevitably fail. Yeah. So why am I fucking putting all this time See, and energy one, into that's it. That's one thing I like about the game is I'm garbage. Like, I've seen some videos of people building these constructs which are unbelievable and they work great. Yeah. I just I suck at building them so I just don't build them anymore. Yeah. Like, I just run past... And I'm loving it just running like in the old days or riding a horse. That's what like I've been doing. Is yeah. I've just gone back to just running around yeah. or riding a and horse. And I love it. Like I, it's so it's, much better. Me, it's great. It's so much better. Yeah. It's like, oh, a relief, a bomb on the burn yeah. that is the, the fucking... And I that, keep going back to the stove. that's the thing stove. I love the most about this game is like that was such a major component, but they built it in a way where it's like, 
If you don't want to use it, you don't fucking have to. Yeah, no, it's true. It's and true. And I do like, oh, okay. But, like, at the same time, there are certain things. Yeah. I'm looking at you fairy fountains that you can only do if you do constructs. Yes. And it's, my God, <laughs> the amount of times I almost rage quit because of constructs. Mm -hmm. It's always because of constructs. It's never like, oh, I lost that fight to a Lionel and I shouldn't have lost. Or, oh, I didn't see those doom hands and now I'm all fucked. Mm. And, or, I can't figure out how to get through this labyrinth and I've been at it for hours. No, it's never that. Those moments I always get through, right? I always figure out a way to mm. win that fight, avoid that monster, figure out that puzzle. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> Constructs every time. Yeah. Every time. It's like motion controls in Mario Odyssey. Oh, fuck. No, There's nothing else that. in the game that bothers me but this one fucking oh, thing. Throwing the hat and jumping on it. Oh, it's like <laughs> So I, I I will remain at an A minus, but it is a very close to a B plus. It's and it's much closer than you would think the 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 spawn of Breath of the Wild would be. Yeah. But if I were looking at playing one versus the other, I'd probably play Tears of the Kingdom just because of the cloning mm. element of it. it. Has allowed me to upgrade all the armor, and it's really fun to walk around as a god and all these other things. Mm. So that I love that. But God, I look back at like Mifa and uh, Daruk and and those guys. I'm like, I really miss them. <laughs> I That's, really yeah. miss them, man. I miss them. I love Daruk. Yeah. I uh, I have been playing Tears of the Kingdom, but I'm not going to be speaking about that. I'm going to do a quick speak about. Um, I watched first two episodes. Season 5, What We Do in the Shadows. Mm -hmm. So this is going to be a little spoilery, because um, I know you haven't watched any of the series. I haven't series. watched any of the series um, So this is Season 5, first two episodes. Last couple seasons I haven't been a huge, massive on board with, because they changed the storyline. I know I've brought this up before. Colin Robinson, the energy vampire, is one of my favorite characters, and they kind of changed him a little bit the last couple seasons, literally made him into like a baby version of himself that had to grow into full Colin Robinson, which he did at the end of last season. So this one, you have him back, which is great. And from the beginning, there is the familiar of the the lead, let's say the quotation mark lead vampire of the house. Uh, Guillermo's the familiar, and he's this chubby little nerd mm -hmm. who desperately just wants to be a vampire. And his master just is so oblivious to the fact that he wants to be turned into a vampire that he just won't ever do it. And like, I believe it's season two or three, Guillermo finds out that he's from the bloodline of Van Helsing, and even though he's this chubby nerd, he is, like, an expert vampire killer. <laughs> and so he becomes, like, their bodyguard, kind of, and it's this whole storyline's kind of funny. Well, the end of last season, he has a friend of his that got turned um, by Nandor, who's his master, and he ends up saying, like, the season ends saying, I want you to turn me into a vampire. So this season starts with... That whole thing happening, and it is fucking hysterical. It's very similar to the part in the movie where um, Iago puts out all the paper and bites her, and the blood's just going yeah. everywhere. Very similar to that. <laughs> and I was crying laughing. So he goes through the process, and in these first two episodes, he starts to have little parts of the transformation happen, but not the whole thing. And so it's freaking him out because, like, he tries to turn into a bat and his ears turn into bat ears, but that's it. Yeah. And, like, he still he can walk in the sun and he's like, what the fuck is going And so that is such a f fun, refreshing change to the storyline constantly of him wanting to be one, which is, you know, it's funny in the first two seasons and then they had the season of him being the vampire hunter, but then you're like, all right, just fucking change him, all right? Like, yeah. that's kind of... And then this is like, okay, this is a fresh take on that storyline, and it's fucking hysterical. It's a new version of the will they, won't they. 
Yes. Will they turn him into a vampire? Will they not turn him into a vampire? Yes. God, just have sex already. Yeah. Yeah. It, but it just watch it. That I I cannot stress the the scene where he goes through the process. It is fucking hysterical, and I was crying because the his friend is this other nerdy dude who works in a gas station, and every time they're about to do the deed where he bites them. His manager comes in not looking. He's at his phone. He goes out of the toilet. It's backed up. He goes, oh, I got to go clean the toilet. And he's like, you were going to bite me. He's like, well, you know, they're just going to shit on top of the other shit. And that'll be a bigger thing to clean. And you have a vampire freaking out because he has to clean the toilet. And it's just, it's so fucking funny. And I'm watching this, like, this show. I'm so happy it rebounded because I, I get worried about some of these shows where they fall off the cliff and they never can find their footing again. Yeah. And it's like season five. I think they're finding their footing again. Yeah. And I can't stress enough, if you love the movie, and if you have not seen the movie What We Do in the Shadows, go fucking see that it's movie. It's great. It is a great... It's great. The The whole werewolves thing at the end. Oh my god. So fucking funny. So for those who don't know, who've never seen it before, it's about... it. it the, the movie, the original movie, is Taika Waititi and... Um, Jermaine Clements. Jermaine Clements, and I can't remember the, the other dude's uh, name. Reese Davis, I want to say. It might be something like that. But yeah. it takes place in New Zealand. And it's about a film crew following this these vampires that live in a house and their roommates. And it's just fucking hysterical. And it's it's funny. It's very bloody. Mm-hmm. Great, great, great movie. And the show is... Reese Darby. Reese Darby, thank you. And the show is so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... I ne- like I was so skeptical because I heard it got great reviews right away. I'm like, I don't know if you can follow them, and they fucking did. Yeah. And a lot of it was because the first season, I believe Taika Waititi wrote a lot of it. I think he directed a couple episodes. Him and Jermaine Clements are still producers on it, executive producers, so they still have a hand in it. Mm-hmm. But watching th- this show, you're like, fuck. I-, I-, I couldn't even imagine them finding characters and the actors to fill those characters, which would be as entertaining, and they fucking did it. Yeah. They nailed it. You know, Nadia and oh my god, it's so fucking good. Yeah, no, it it's really on, is it's great. on my short list whenever I have a moment. Uh, it's a and the, they're all on Hulu. The, the story of the week was that I kept on trying to watch The Witcher, and Netflix kept on booting me yeah, and being like, right. "Ah, fuck you, you can't watch Witcher." Uh, <laughs> to the point where when I was watching Witcher, I was watching it by streaming it from my tablet to yeah. the TV instead of trying to use the uh, Roku app. Uh, it was fun, but the the. I think it was Monday night. I was like, oh, I'll watch Witcher, and I'll start getting caught up on that. And I got booted like five times, and I was trying to think of what to do, and what we do in the shadows crossed my mind. I was like, I don't know if I want to open up that commitment yet, but I do need to, to you watch will, it. You will, you will fucking watch every... This is the thing, is that yeah. once I open that Ark of the Covenant, it, I can't shut it. And especially the first season, they have an... I believe it's the first... Yeah, it's the first season, they have an Easter egg of the Vampire Council. Uh-huh. It is, I know Mark Hamill is on the Vampire Council. No, he's not. Oh, he's not? No, he plays a character in a later episode, and he's fucking fantastic. Uh, and so is Nick Kroll. He plays a character in one of them. I do love Nick Kroll. But the Vampire Council, you will watch it, and you'll be like, the cameos in that are fucking great. Yeah. Like, truly great. Where you'll yeah. be like, oh my god, this is amazing. Yeah. This is amazing. No, I, I can't uh, but I don't, I'm not spoiling that, because that one everyone has to see. It's like Sunny for me. When yes. I started watching Sunny, it was just like, I have to watch all of it. And I, I just, I'm not ready to do that yet yeah. with what we do in the shadows. And you will, too. Exactly. You totally do. Um, okay, so we got to move on to our TV shows. Do you yes. want to start with the shit or the good? Let's start with the shit. Okay, we got to start with Secret Invasion. Yeah. So this is episode four, right? This is episode four. Okay. It's bad. 36 minutes. 
Yeah, it's bad. But here, I, I, I teased you in the beginning. I said, there's a new Marvel method. Mm-hmm. Three out of the four fucking episodes, a main character dies, dies. quotation mark, at the end. I'm like, or, or uh, quote fingers. I'm like, what I, the fuck are I, you doing? I told this to Kelly the moment we finished the episode. I was like, hmm, if only this hadn't happened last episode. Yeah. And the episode this week started with that character coming back from the dead. Yeah. Oh, so why the fuck should I give a goddamn about you, any of this? There's no way he's fucking he's dead. He's not fucking dead. I had somebody at work that um, watches the show. He works in produce and he said to me, he goes, oh, I can't believe he died. I'm like, he's not fucking dead. He's not dead. fucking dead. Haven't you listened? Haven't you been paying attention? He's, he's not, not dead. fucking dead. Now I'm now in my mind, I'm like, Marie Hill probably isn't fucking he, dead. She might not be dead. Yeah. They credited her in, for just being in security footage. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. But, like, I, uh, I'm so frustrated with the show because there's, there's, seeing, there's things here that I see and I recognize and I like. And the stuff with Rhodey I find fascinating because I, I didn't predict it, but it's been an idea that I've been a proponent of since, like, 2018. And so I'm excited about this, and uh, the idea of the Super Scrolls, I wish we would get there, but I hate how we're doing it. But the writing is so bad, yeah. <laughs> and the directing is bad, and the you know everything about it is bad. There's... Well, I was going to point out, just not to cut you off, I apologize, but no, that's the, fine. the roadie part. Yeah. I thought it was horrible in this episode, because it's like... He was like, sleepwalking him, through this road. Well, it's not only sleepwalking through it, but it's like, you're supposed to be playing it like... Nick Fury does not know he's a Skrull. Yeah. But you have changed his personality. So drastically. So much. It's like Sharon Carter. I keep waiting for them yes. to explain that Sharon Carter was yes. a Skrull this whole time. And that's why she's so radically different from yeah. who she was in the movies. Because Rhodey is talking about DDTing people from the top rope. And I'm like, Rhodey he's doesn't talk this way. In this, in this episode, I was like, what the fuck is this? Rhodey has never talked this never. way. Especially ever. this Rhodey. Yeah. You watch any of the movies he was in, it's like he is not, so by the book. He is the one that when four people have made a comic book reference, he corrects them on it. Yes. Right? Like, so you're looking at Endgame and they're going through all the time travel things and Rhodey is the one going through like and being like, well, but no, but this should happen, right? And he's not the one leading that conversation. No. Rhodey has never made a reference to, to, to cultural significance of any kind. No. This whole fucking time! Nothing. The whole fucking and time! After, and at the end of, was it uh, Infinity War? Not the end, but Infinity War, when he pretty much told Thunderbolt Ross to go fuck himself and said, oh, yeah. there's a court martial. So he stuck his finger to the government, but in this, all of a sudden, it's all about the government? Well, this is what I want to know, and I, 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 this is becoming a real problem. It's becoming. This has become a mm. real problem. Timing. Timing has been a problem in the MCU yes. since Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange, I've always said, would be a much better movie if that movie took place beginning around the time that the Avengers formed and running through Civil War. And so Doctor Strange is training that whole yeah. time instead of this, I have a photographic memory and I read the whole library. It's like, this is fucking stupid. Yeah. This is fucking dumb and you don't know how time works. And this whole thing is about time. Like, literally yeah. about time. And now you get, you know, you get the Rhodey or uh, the the Cap and Bucky beating, or or not beating, but like barely beating Tony to mm. Russia, and you get now. How long has it been since the blip? Well, going off it, this is ten years since the blip happened, because they say he was gone for five years with the blip, and then he was gone for five more years. 
Because they say that early on in the episodes. And, like, it, but it doesn't feel that way. No, it's like, how is this 10 years after Infinity War? It, that can't possibly be true. It can't be that true. That can't possibly be true. It can't be true. Because no, that doesn't make sense within the context nope. of all the movies. So, did this roadie fight in an endgame and Infinity War, or did the real roadie fight in those things? Yeah. I don't know, because your sense of time makes no fucking sense. Yeah. I'm tired of this. And I'm, then they, they tried to make the big reveal when he's in the mirror. Get it, he's in the shower and he wipes the mirror and it's Rhodey. It's like, oh my god. It's like, dude, you fucking telegraphed at the end of the last episode yeah. when she called the Skrull and it was fucking Rhodey's voice. Yeah. We all knew he was a Skrull. Yeah. And it, it's so maddening. It is so bad. Because I've wanted it's that so idea bad. for a while because I love the idea of a Skrull being in Tony Stark's ear. Yes. And watching him and making sure that he didn't get in too much trouble. And I love all these ideas we're not going to get into any of that. No. We're not going to get into any of that. He's just another one of Gravik slash Gareth's stupid trolls that is going out doing nonsense. And I, I'm so frustrated with this entire thing. Yeah. There's a conversation between Gaia and Talos in the park. And she's like, what's your plan? And his plan is basically like, hey, can we stay? And I'm sitting here like... Oh, so bad. How many planets have the Guardians of the Galaxy gone to? How many fucking planets have they gone to? And Carol can't find a single home for any of the Skrulls. Yeah. She can't find a home for a million Skrulls. An entire planet for a million Skrulls. Yeah. Maybe half a planet for a million Skrulls. You can't do it. You can't do it. How? How is that the thing? How is this whole season going to be about, we have to let the, the Skrulls stay? That doesn't make any sense within no, the body so of the story. But you don't care about that because you don't know how Extremis works. But you're insisting on using it even though it works in a completely different way than in any of the other forms that we've seen, including Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And what I love are the apologists that are like, oh, well, this is making total sense of Iron Man 3. Now it's like, no, it no, is not. How are you saying this is making sense? All we need now is for Ben Kingsley to walk through the screen and be like, oh, there we go. How does this make Iron Man 3 make any more sense? First and foremost, there's already a way to inject yourself with extra Yes. Right? And so maybe because they're scrolls, they need to have this super machine that, like, bends their genes. But also, your shapeshifters! Your genome morphs. Yeah. Literally morphs. Okay? You can pretend to be another race of being to the point where other beings of that race can't identify you yeah. by blood or any other tests. But you need to have this big machine to turn you into extremist people? But a human can just plug that shit in like fucking Deathlock, quote-unquote Deathlock. Yeah. Still haven't gotten oh over that. God, that I'm was still hilarious. angry about that. I was so psyched when I saw Deathlock and then I saw what they did to him. I was like, oh my god. That fucking sucked. That was so bad. That and Absorbing Man were oh, the, the so two reasons I walked away from the show. Oh, it was so bad. And then I heard about LMDs and I was like, you fucking suck the at this. The only character they got right in that show was uh, Ghost Rider was awesome. That's the only character they got right. Yeah. I, I never even made it to Ghost Rider because I was saw, so you'd be fucking like, sick okay, of it. Okay, that was good. The rest yeah. was shit. Yeah. But I, I digress. Yes. We know how extremist works. Yes. We also know that it is incredibly volatile. Oh, insanely volatile. And all the scientists who are working on it are all dead. Yeah. So who has been crafting this new version of extremist that's different enough that the scrolls have to have a big device that makes it so that they can use it, but also more stable? <laughs> it wasn't humans. Mm. I don't like, and you can make the argument like, oh, maybe the big light show is for making it stable in scrolls. Like that's mm. what stabilizes it. Okay, 
give me some science jargon that makes me understand that because all the extremist stuff that I've known has had to be paired with other things and, and had all these problems and made people literally explode. And it wasn't just a, a easy way to give someone healing factor. That wasn't what this was. And I, I just, you can't even get your own logic and, and, and canon right. Yeah. And it's so frustrating, man. It's, yeah. And it was, like, that, that whole scene at the end where Talos gets shot, prior to that, it's like, why is he punching the window with his normal hand when he can make a Hulk hand? Yeah. And just rip the fucking door off. Isn't he a scroll? Can't he shapeshift yeah. at all? He could shift into a fucking boulder at the end of his finger, hand to fucking bash the window. Yeah. But no, he's got to have the dramatic punch so he can get shot so he can be dead, quotation fingers. Well, and not only that, the scrolls don't have innate super strength. Not in this canon. Yeah. They, not until this show. Literally, this show was the oh, first yeah. time that we saw that. And not in any other canons that I've seen do a, does a scroll have innate super strength. That's not a thing. Their whole thing is shape-shifting. Mm. That's the whole thing. Now, you can shape-shift into someone with a higher muscle density, yes. making you stronger, but that's how that would work. You would mm. still have to shape-shift into something to make your own muscle density stronger. Him just pounding on the window... As Ben Mendelsohn so is so fucking dumb. I was crying, laughing. It was so dumb. I, fucking, Mister Fantastic could put his fingers into the keyhole and unlock the door. Yeah, he doesn't. You didn't exist think of that? He doesn't exist. Like, any scroll, any good scroll could do that. Yeah, I'm looking at Martian Manhunter. That's a man who yes. knows how to use shape shifting. And these idiots can't fucking figure out jack goddamn shit well, about how to do shape shifting. Is, is Gravik in that scene? The same scene. Turns his arms into into, ba- into like vines, vines. Yeah. and it's like you could do that, then, yeah. Talos. Yeah, you're the general. You're the one above him with knowledge and experience. And we haven't seen anyone in the Marvel universe that has that power. Yes, not this universe. So unless they, no, because even Camilla Khan doesn't have that power in this universe. She has the weird light show power now. The Groot. Maybe Groot. Maybe Groot. That's the only thing I could think of is he saw it from Groot because it looked like the vines. Maybe Groot. I don't know. I, that was one of the things that they, they had, yeah. one of the artifacts that they had was Groot. And I also hate this. It's just like the whole thing where they're planning on suckering a bunch of superheroes into a situation so that they can basically download a bunch of their DNA at once and turn everybody into super scrolls like they are in the comics where mm-hmm. everybody's an amalgamation of everything. And I'm like, first off, there hasn't been a single goddamn superhero in this whole fucking show. There hasn't even been an Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. beyond no. fucking Maria Hill and Nick Fury. Give me any Agent of yeah. S.H.I.E.L.D. Any Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. I would take Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. And I hate those guys. I hate them. And I would still accept them over no Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. Of any kind. Nick Fury has no one he has no one. Like, I get that that's like a part of Secret Invasion is that Nick Fury can't trust anyone, but there have to be there has to be someone. There has to be someone that you can call on, that you can trust in some capacity. You're Nick fucking Fury, but then again, you're also the worst fucking version of Nick Fury yeah. by your own admission. So bad. Because there's a whole conversation between him and his wife, where his wife has been assigned to kill him, and I'm sitting there like, I've seen scenes like this. In Quentin Tarantino movies, we have two characters who are pretending to be cordial to each other, just waiting to kill each other. Inglorious Bastards. The, the Kill Bill. Nazis in the, yeah. Like, so many times. Yeah. 
This is so boring. Oh, <laughs> There's nothing interesting about this whole thing. Boring, yes. And you're listening to this story about how Priscilla got her her face and all these other things. And I'm like, I don't fucking care. Yeah. And it doesn't make any goddamn sense within your canon anyway. And you're making yourself out in this episode to be a character we'll never see again. Yeah. So it's like, well, why do I give a fuck where you came from? And I just, I, I get to the point where they finally pull their guns out and, and fire. And I'm like, I don't believe it. Yeah. And of course, they didn't you shouldn't yeah. because neither of them actually hits the other because nothing important or impactful can happen. Yeah. And I'm just sitting here like, this fucking sucks, guys. I want you to know how much this fucking sucks. The scene with Rhodey and Papa, Pappy, oh, whatever bourbon. that was. Yeah. I, I fucking hate that scene. And then he meets the president. The president's like, oh, I have a few drinks with lunch. And I'm like, this fucking sucks. Yeah, don't remember Rhodey. This fucking um, sucks. But that's what I mean. To me, the worst part of this whole episode was Rhodey. Like, yeah. they wrote him so, so badly. fucking bad. So badly. And I love the character, and I love oh, Dad yeah. Cheadle, and you're like, how the and, fuck? And this is a character that we've known for over ten years now. Yeah. He made his first appearance in Iron Man 2. That was 2010. Yeah. That was 13 years ago. He has been Rhodey ever since, and he's been in a lot of the Marvel properties yeah. as Rhodey, as this kind of glue guy who holds the universe together. So we fucking know Rhodey, and you you don't get him right in the writing. The writing just sounds so tacky and mm. stupid, and it's just frustrating the yeah. entire time. You're just like, this is so bad. You don't even care about how the character should behave. You don't even care about how the legacy character should behave. You're not worried about getting anything right. This is maddening. Why would I care? This is like your AI-generated opener. You clearly don't care. I would not be shocked if it came out that Disney wrote this entire fucking season using an AI generator. Oh, I Because it. it fucking sucks. It's so bad. It's really bad. Because... Like the thing with the thing that killed me with the roadie thing is like scrolls they study who they take over so you believe that it's them. So to have a character that changes his personality so drastically Not and only to, that, in this show. Yeah. In general canon, that's but true. in this show they have these devices that they've hooked everybody into that basically taps into their minds so the scrolls have all their memories is yeah. the implication here, but also that's how it's always been. I why would he change his personality so drastically? Yeah. To the point where he's talking about, like, the president doesn't shit without me knowing about it. I'm like, what the fuck is this? This isn't Rhodey. Yeah, that's not Rhodey. And this is like Sharon Carter back in Captain America or uh, Falcon Winter Soldier, where it's just like Sharon Carter shows up and you're like, but this isn't Sharon Carter. Yeah. And uh, the, the explanation that I'm given that she was just completely forgotten by Captain America for the five years during the blip, which I fucking hate that it's called the blip. The snap, the snap works. The snap has... Snap. The blip fucking sucks. Yeah. Every time I think of the blip, I think of the blimp. Yeah, I do too. And I just, I fucking hate it, it makes man. Makes me want to sub. I fucking hate it. Makes yeah. me think of the Goodyear blimp. I fucking hate it, man. Yeah. I, so many moments like that in this show. I agree. Of just like, this could be really cool, and instead it fucking sucks. And that's the thing that got me, because it, like, it, it started to trick me in the first two episodes where I was like, I'm bored out of my mind, but there's something here, mm-hmm. and it has quickly gone downhill. Yeah. Like, I was I was at a solid, like, maybe C-plus for the series after the first two episodes. I'm I'm in, like, I'm heading towards F category quick. When we realized we needed to change up our show plan for today, yeah. I, I hadn't seen Secret Invasion oh. as of this morning. And Kelly was like, do you want to start it? And it was, like, noon. 
And I was on YouTube just finding any reason not to watch Secret Invasion because I dislike it so much. I'm so deeply frustrated by the entire experience of watching it. Because the entire time I'm sitting there like, I've seen this story done well. Multiple times. In multiple iterations on TV and comic books and everywhere in between. This sucks. Mm -hmm. This is a terrible interpretation of this story that's hamstrung by the fact that you, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., refuse to have super beings in your show... For no particular reason, and you're retconning everything about Nick Fury as a person. Yeah. To the point where he's no longer a super spy, and he's married to some scroll that we've never heard of before. Mm. This sucks, man. It really does suck. This show sucks, and the writing sucks, and basically, the it seems like the people came in and said, well, we don't really care about what this should be, and we don't really care about what it should be within the body of this canon. Yeah. We're just going to do our own fucking thing. And we don't care whether it makes sense or anything else. Nick Fury has a wife, and he's terrible at his job. And in reality, if this wasn't so directly connected to other things we're going to be watching in the future with Marvel, I would... I'm close. I, I'm i not going to do it. I'm going to finish watching this series, but I was close to haloing it. This is I my was very close to haloing is it. Is that that has come up in this house, yeah. as if we're going to halo it. I'm close. Uh, and, I, you know, here's my thing is I'm overinvested in this universe. And I don't think my OCD would literally let me walk that's away the from this. That's the thing. Because, like, we thought the same with other series in the past. Yeah. But this one, it's like, fuck, it's close. I have, it's so tough, man. Yeah. It's so tough because every time I sit down to watch it, it's just like, it feels like two hours of my life. Yeah. And at times it feels like it should be longer. Like I got to the end of the episode today, and I was like, "Oh, is it the end of the episode?" Fucking minutes. It's ridiculous. This sucks. It really sucks. This show just sucks. But how can you write four episodes and end them all with a main actor getting killed, cliffhanger? Yeah. In three out of four fucking episodes. And that doesn't even take into account the fake out at the beginning of episode one, where fucking Ross. Oh yeah. Gets killed. Yeah. Like, literally, if you show up in the show, you will get killed, and then it won't count. Yeah. And I hate it. They're pulling the, they're pulling the Rise of Skywalker Chewbacca on us yeah. every time. Yeah. Oh, he wasn't in that ship. Oh, yeah. No, he's fine. That's fucking stupid. This yeah. is fucking garbage. Yeah, it's fucking trash. This is what we call garbage. All this right. is garbage writing with garbage direction that's bland, tasteless, and means nothing. The secret's out. This is an invasion of art, and yes. it sucks. It sucks. So we're going to move on to something good. Yeah, why don't we? Strange New Worlds, episode four. Five. I really like this one. Because Ethan Peck killed it! He killed it. It was so enjoyable. This this really was one of those entertaining episodes. Yeah. Where you're like, this was really fun. Well, and it was funny because when the episode opens, uh, you, you the, the plot of the episode yes. is that uh, there's a weird thing going on. There's Spock, an anomaly outside of Vulcan on a moon. Yeah, Spock and Chapel are, are going to do a flyby on their way to somewhere else. And they, they get pulled into this anomaly and when they come out spock has become fully human instead of half human and chaos ensues mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm sitting there oh and you have the classic shot of three people looking down at the camera yes and, and we can't see the person that they're looking at and you're like oh so something happened and, and one I'm, of the three is chapel who's yeah. perfectly fine yeah and you're like oh, okay and i was like i'm just sitting here like oh it's spock amok all over again yeah. is this gonna be another body swap episode and it kind of is um but it, i really like oh this one God. more than spock amok spock amok was probably my, one of my lesser yeah. episodes of last season i really like this episode it's really funny. He it's really so good. good. I didn't know this because Kelly was watching it with me, and she looked it up. Ethan Peck, grandson of Gregory Peck. Oh, I didn't know that either. Literally related to Atticus Finch, 
Which that is why he's so fucking good. Sense. Yeah. Good job, Kelly. I didn't know that either. So that was cool to find out. But he is so good Dude. in this episode. And this is one of those episodes that could be grating. You could just be like, oh, this is stupid. And you get to the end and they're literally talking about playing charades. And you're like... That was so <laughs> great! And this, this, could, this could have so easily gone over the edge into this is stupid. Yeah. And it never did. It teetered at times into, is this going to get stupid? And it never did. It never, never did. got stupid. Because I... I fucking love Ethan Peck so goddamn mm-hmm. much and his just watching him like the part that really got me was not only the emotion he showed when his fiance's mother is bashing his mom in front of him mm-hmm. and he's still fully human and he's jaws twitching and you could tell he just wants to tell her to go fuck herself but when um, Nurse Chapel is ready to give him the injection to make him Vulcan again mm-hmm. And he's, like, superhuman and joking and, like, looking at her lovingly. And she injects him and he goes, straight Vulcan. Yeah. And it's, like, just watching his quick transformation was fucking awesome. I was yeah. like, holy shit. No, it was great. It was really good. It was great. I, there were a few moments that I, I was, like, a little off put by when the the crew is teaching him to be Vulcan. There were a few moments where that went a little too far and it yeah. wasn't funny anymore. Same with him being overly effusive. And, and, you know, getting angry at Kirk for leaving his dishes out in the middle of a meeting and all these other things. I was like, okay, let's, yeah. let's take it down three notches. But I really love everything else where, about this This episode. is where the editing worked with that scene. Because, yeah. yeah, that scene could have been grating, except it went from him going, uh, can you just make sure to pick that up, to them holding it back, yeah. wanting to strangle him. I'm like, that's good editing. See, I like that part, the the part where he's laughing with the, the, the uh, women in the crew. Yes. That was the moment I was like, this is going too far. We're coming that back to this moment too many times. That was of... Data with the emotion chip. Yeah. Where it's like, eh, it's a little, you're yeah. right though, it's a little, that and, was a little much. And but when, when Rebecca Romaine and, and uh, Ortegas yeah. are, are like teaching him to do the eyebrow and everything, I was like, okay, this is kind of funny because it's them teaching the yeah. actor how to play the character. And I do love when he goes, do I really act like that? And they all go, yes, yes. at the same time. It was <laughs> awesome. It was such perfect timing. Uh, I just, but I love the comedy of this episode. And Ethan Peck carried it off so oh well. God. And then you have Anson Mount being a great foil he... in the background. When he so brought good. the hors d'oeuvres and, and the father-in-law away. starts eating them and then he, he goes, whoo, and he turns around. Yeah. Yeah. He was great. Oh, he was so good. He was so good. There were so many man. moments. I, and I'm glad that they didn't do things like we don't see them actually playing charades. Yes. We see Pike explaining the rules of charades. Yes. And that's funny enough. We don't have to have that moment of they're actually playing charades. Yes. Because that, again, would have been too cringy. But that's how. That's what I mean. Like It, it crosses that edge just ever so slightly and yeah. then comes back. And it does that over and over and again. And I did love the woman that played... Spock's mother. Yeah. Was the same one in the... Was it the first season of Witcher? She was the head witch that got turned Yennefer into... Really? She was the one that ran... I be, I'm, I'm like, like 75% sure... I'm going to double it's check. It's the same woman. Because that would be really interesting. Yeah, that converted Yennefer. She was running that... The Tessaia. Tessaia, yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking it's her. Because she looked really familiar, and I was trying to think of where I've seen her before. And I think it's Tessaia. Yeah. Let me see here. Um, but my honestly favorite part, because it, it got to the part where I was a little worried about the whole Chapel Spock getting together thing. Yeah. But at the end, when they kiss each other, mm-hmm. and then instead of, like, he wants to talk, Chapel's like, no, let's just fuck. And yeah. she just jumped on him, and I was like, <laughs> that was awesome, because she's just super aggressive, like, I don't even want to talk. 
Let's just fucking get this. I've been waiting for this. <laughs> this has been a long it's time. Been a gone. long time coming, and that was awesome. Yeah. Doesn't look like she's in Witcher. This is she's played by an actress named Mia Kirshner. Where do I know her from? She's in. No, oh, not another teen movie. She plays Chris Evans' sister that keeps trying to fuck him. <laughs> That's who that is. Uh, she was much younger. Than, I thought she looked familiar. I can't believe that was her. Wow. Oh, now that as soon as you said it, I was like, that was totally her. Mm-hmm. Amanda Grayson. Not, she's not, not Spock's mom's name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mia Kirshner. Oh, my God. That makes it even better. Yeah, yeah, there it is. That's Holy funny. shit, that's too freaking funny. Black Dahlia, 24. She's been in a, a few things. Yeah, no, she, a lot of TV stuff, man. Yeah, a lot she's of TV. A, few, a couple, like, like direct-to-DVD movies. Yeah, but, but she was great, too. She was fantastic. She was an amazing part of this whole episode, and, like, the whole thing where, at the end, Spock is just talking to her about the incredible strength she shows by just yes. never letting the, the bad behavior of Vulcans... Get her and that was a great speech. That was we an put amazing his future speech. Mother in law, well, yeah, pseudo future mother in law well, in her place. And then the the moment where he's talking about how uh, he would be playing with the kids, mm-hmm. and he never really thought about how the other mothers treated her. Mm-hmm. And she was like, "Well, it, it never mattered to me." And he was like, "No, but you need to know how important that was that you That's were so that awesome. you, like oh, that such so a great much. scene." And she, you know, I hate to say it because I do love Winona Ryder, but she was so much better than Winona uh, Ryder. Uh, this I also love Winona Ryder. This was like night and day. This was like, oh, this is what this character's supposed to be. Yeah, I see. I get it now. Now see, I, I get I, it. I really think the Winona Ryder th- th- stuff threw me off because they, the makeup was so bad. Mm. Like that was really bad. The makeup on her. And she and, just didn't have like a lot to do. No. It was a weird role to Which bring Winona Ryder in Which that character was underwritten in pretty much all of Star Trek lore. Yeah. So to actually see her, I hope she they flesh her out more and they actually show her in more episodes. Because I really did enjoy yeah. their interactions. I think she's coming back because they, they keep on hinting that she knows Carol Kane's character. Oh, that's true. And so that that's going to be a whole thing of uh, they, they have to meet. They even go out of their way to talk about how... Uh, she's not on the ship today. Yeah. So they can't like get lunch together or something. Yeah. And it's like, oh, so this is this is definitely going to come up at See, some I point. Just, and once again, it. And I know I beat this dead horse every week when we talk about the show. It's like you don't need some big heavy-handed thing. It was just fun. It was just a really it was good. A episode. Really good episode. It was a lot of fun. The mm-hmm. acting was good. It was very good. Everything about it was good. There were still some weird shots. Like, we were talking about how boring the scene with uh, Fury and his wife in Secret yes. Invasion was. There's a moment where Spock walks into the bathroom and the camera yeah, shifts it was around. An, it was a very J.J. Abrams But I Star like Trek that. Yeah. I, I like that because it, it's that whole idea of putting the audience into the character's shoes of saying, like, his whole world is upside down yeah. right now. He doesn't know who he is. And so to have this moment where, like, this, this very, very catered angle, yeah. angle. And it's just, I really like the direction, the writing, mm. the style of all of this. So and then the acting on top of it is just top-notch from everybody. Yeah. Everybody's good here. And even people that just have one or two lines are so good. I just hope, I really hope they take this cast and they make a movie. Yeah. Because it's like, I love this show, but man, I would love a fucking feature-length film with this cast. Mm -hmm. I think they would crush it. There would be a a massive hit. You have to bring Kirk along. 
They, oh, well, they have to, they bring you Kirk have on. to bring Kirk along. Because I rewatched that episode with him it was on. So good. It's so good. It's so fucking good. That it's actor so good. is so great. He's so great. All of it. All of it is so good. I'm so impressed with the whole thing. It's It, it really is. Like, to me, I, I'm still. There's got to be a way. It's kind of like this podcast. Mm-hmm. This podcast is great. Yeah. We've put out great episodes. All our episodes are fun. Not enough people listen to the show. Mm hmm. I know that's the same thing with Strange New Worlds. It's like, I guarantee not enough people know this show fucking exists yeah. or watch it. And it's like, just fucking watch it. It's so I good. know a fucking five, at least uh, five million mouth breeders got Paramount Plus just to watch Top Gun Maverick when it came out. <laughs> Turn on Strange New Worlds and fucking watch it. Learn empathy. Um. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Jesus, Scientology and all that shit that's on this. I know. Um, no, but I, I, it's, it's such a great show. I it do love really it. Is. I love it a lot. This this episode, like the last two episodes have been, like the whole season has really been like what you would want out of a Star Trek yeah. show where you have some heavy moments, then you have some light moments, and then you have some heavy moments. It's been a little bit more interspersed. You have like the second episode, which is kind of bland, but it has some important moments yeah. in it. And then you have the third episode, which is just a lot of fun, and then it gets really sad at the end. Oh then you get the, the fourth episode, which fourth is just episode. really heavy on That's all so fronts and good. amazing because of it. Oh my god! And then you get this, which is just like, okay... Let's have some fun, boys and girls. We're gonna Which, just. I'm so glad because we needed a palate cleanser after four. I, I think we so needed. Heavy. I think we needed like the the oh. crew of the Enterprise itself. We needed just some downtime. <laughs> we just needed a little downtime for everybody to come back, relax, catch our breath. <laughs> really though, in 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 testament to the show, there it has been a long time since I've seen an episode of a TV show like episode four of this season that yeah. has just haunted me. Yeah, like that episode was so good, and I'm just like. And you can't stop thinking can't, about it. I really can't. That's it how I feel so about good. a lot of Black Mirror episodes. That's why I call Black Mirror the scariest show mm. I've ever seen. Is because there are episodes of that show that just leave me haunted. Yeah. Because of the ideas that they put in my head. And you're just like, Jesus fucking Christ. It's fucked up. Yeah. It's not monster jump out from the, the wall. No, but I hate that. Like It's not even scary. No. It's, Monster's jumping out is not no, scary. No, and it's not Jigsaw with his... Intricate puzzles yeah. and gore. It's much deeper and psychological. Yeah. Well, that's just worse. Porn, the yeah. Saw movies. Um, all right, so we need to move on. Yep. We, we have to do our big review of Asteroid City, which originally was on our, our list, short list to go yeah. see. Yeah. But luckily, it came out on streaming. You did purchase it. Yes, I did. It was great. It okay. showed up on Voodoo, and I was like, "Really? Already? Okay, here we go." So Wes Anderson, very quirky. Yes. All his movies are. Always are. Two movies of his are two of my favorite movies ever, which is The Grand Budapest Hotel and um, The Life Aquatic with Steve Caesar. Yeah. I love those two movies. And I do love a lot of his other movies. I'm Grand Budapest and Fantastic Mr. Fox. That one is also fantastic. I, I, just, I love yeah, those. I was going to say Fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. that's um, so good. I kind of fell off a little bit with The French Dispatch. I wanted to like boring. The French Dispatch. It, I, here's my thing. Is that I watched the French Dispatch and I was like, "Oh, this is fascinating. This mm. is interesting. There's so many weird things going on and all these scenes." And I think I saw Tilda Swinton nude. Uh, and then I was like, oh, "Maybe I'll go back and check it out because it feels like there's just so much here that I'm not going to get it all on the first watch." I haven't watched it again since. Yeah. And Asteroid City, I got to the end of, and I was like, "I kind of want to watch it again right now." I like this movie quite a little bit. I liked the, the premise. Mm-hmm. How it's a story that's actually a play, a play. Put out, which was that so was challenging. Awesome, it was really cool. Like that threw me off. It it was it was very 
disassociating at times. I hate to use the word meta. Yeah. Thanks to that douchebag taking it over with Facebook. But it was very meta. It was very meta. And in a good way. And and, and not in a weird way. Like, it kind of reminds me of Birdman. Where you're watching a play, but the play is also a performance. Mm. Except here, it literally fully cuts away to something else going on. Yes. Instead of being intercut between the two things. As, you know, like, people are wandering around, you can see the performance going on in the background. Yes. Um, this was just so fascinating. Because it, you start out, they don't have any qualms about it. They tell you up front, this is a movie about the production yes. of a play. Yes. And here's the cast. And this person and is playing this role. And the writer is Edward Norton. Yeah. Which was awesome. And who's playing Tennessee Williams. Tennessee Williams, yeah. <laughs> um, and you're like, okay, this is all going on. And then you get into Asteroid City. Yes. And you meet Jason Schwartzman and his family. And things are quirky. And Here's a where little... it lost me a little. He went overboard with the cameos. Oh, you thought so? Too many people? Too many fucking people. Like, yeah. The thing I love about the Grand Budapest so, far, so much is you have Jude Law... As the writer in the beginning, you're like, oh, okay, that's cool. I didn't know Jude Law's in this. And then you have the quick little Bill Murray cameo. You have the little Harvey Keitel cameo. You have the Willem Dafoe and, and um, uh, Adrian Brody. And like, you had you had these people intertwined, but it seemed like it was balanced. Mm-hmm. This one was like, we're gonna throw every fucking actor you can name on the screen at once, and there you go. See, I kind of liked it for that though, is because it gets weird. It gets weird about that. It does get weird, but it, like to me, it took away from. I loved. The Schwartzman Tom Hanks interactions. Yeah, and this was one of my favorite Tom Hanks movies in a long he time. He was great. He was fantastic because you this. know Bill Murray would have been in that role. Oh yeah, easily. I think if which I, I remember, don't know how Murray was in it, he does everything. If I remember correctly, this is another victim of COVID. Murray got COVID uh, and couldn't shoot couldn't shoot the movie. The movie. Yeah, and so but like to me it was like you know you have to me the main like three interaction was Schwartzman. Hanks, Schwartzman, um, Scarlett Johansson. Johansson. And that was great. But, like, every time Steve Carell came on, I was like... I liked Steve Carell a I lot. liked him, but it kind of threw... Like, it... I like him explaining the vending machines. The whole thing with the vending, the vending machines machine was fucking might awesome. be the funniest bit I've ever funny. seen. It it's so funny. good. When Liev Schreiber comes over and asks him about the real estate vending machine. Yeah. And then you get the kid at the end... And Steve Carell's like, well, for $10 and quarters. For $10 and quarters. <laughs> I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. I love this. Because like, that's what I loved about it was like, does this this Girl Scout need to be Sophia Lillis? No, it no. doesn't need to. But she's great in the role. Yeah. And I like seeing her in Maya a Wes Anderson thing. Maya Hawk was thing. awesome. Maya Hawk was she amazing. Was so great. I'm so happy she got this role. Yeah, she was so funny. Because it was a meteor role than yeah. a lot of them. She was so good. For a side, so for much. a side, kind of nothing character, she got yeah. a lot of screen time and a lot of because it was to that do. like little side love story with her and the cowboy yeah, and the cowboy and all that. Yeah. And I really like that. I really like all the people coming into town. I fucking love the the car chase that screams. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was fucking. Funny. I love that. I <laughs> love kind of looking. He's on the phone like. <laughs> I love that every once in a while an atom bomb goes off in the background. I love, like, there's so many things about this movie that I'm just like, this is amazing. And then they cut back to the play stuff and you're just like, what the fuck is happening? And, like, it it is a little, it takes a little bit because you have 
you're really inset in Asteroid City, you're enjoying your time, you want to see where this is all mm. going, and then we cut to how Jason Schwartzman got this role. Mm. And it's a kind of lengthy scene between mm. him and Edward Norton where they end up making out and all these other things happen. And you're just like, okay, I like this, but I was also kind of invested in Asteroid City, mm. and I kind of want to go back there. And we get back there, but it, that happens a lot. It's yeah. just like we end up going over here and doing this instead. And the, but like, there's great moments because of that. Mm. When the the women are talking outside of the shower, oh and God. Brian Cranston is just standing there, he's like, "I'm not in this." <laughs> I was laughing so fucking hard at that scene. The look on his face where he's just stone faced. Yeah, oh, wait, I'm not. I'm not here. And, just, and they don't even acknowledge it, really. No, and then like, they just go back to what they're doing, yeah, and it's just so fucking, so fucking funny. <laughs> Like I, I like I'm this. Glad you brought that up. I like this movie more than French Dispatch. I like it more than Isle of Dogs. I, which I did like Isle of Dogs. Yeah, that was good. But it's it's not Grand Budapest. I still think Grand Budapest is probably the best movie oh, he's made so far. Because um, Ray Fiennes was the fact that about he didn't win an great. Oscar blows my mind. Yeah, I mean he everything. So everything about that movie is so yeah. funny and so good it's and so, so smart. And I just I fucking love it. But there's a lot of stuff I love here too. Yeah. When Jeffrey Wright is giving the speech. And Flash Thompson <laughs> makes the lifts the, the microphone, <laughs> and then he steps away from the microphone to another microphone, and he has to Flash Thompson has yeah. to, to extend the second microphone, and then Tilda Swinton does the exact same thing later on. I it's so funny. How about the fact that the alien is Jeff Goldblum? And we don't see that. Like the alien is stop motion, and it looks amazing. Yes. It looks so good, especially when they composite it with the people in the scene. And then it's not until the end of the movie. Yeah. When Jason Schwartzman literally walks off set and into the backstage, and we see Jeff Goldblum out of makeup as the alien with just the costume on, and they're just like, and he kind of has that same look he did when he first came down to steer the yeah. asteroid, where he's kind of looking. Yeah, I was like, and, and knowing, like, I knew that he was the alien going into it. Well, they tell you up front. They do, yeah, they do tell you up front. But when he, when it comes down and it's the stop motion, it's like. They were able to make a puppet that is exactly Jeff Goldblum. Because yeah. if I didn't know it was stop motion, I'm like, that's Jeff Goldblum in a costume. Yeah. Because it was so fucking perfect it's and so gangly good. And, the, and his motions and everything. And, and I just, I love things like Ricky and the general being at odds with each other because yes. Ricky leaks it to the press. I love things like the U.S. government has everybody in quarantine, but they literally can't keep the circus out of town. Yeah. And it's... I love it. It's so funny and so smart. Yeah. And it's everything you want out of a Wes Anderson movie. And and let me stop before I say this. Mm-hmm. It sounds like I'm critical of this movie. Yeah. I gave it an A minus. Yeah. No, I can tell you still like it a lot. I'm going to rewatch it. I just I'm I'm wondering if rewatching it now that I know where the cameos are going to pop in. Yeah. It won't be as jarring to yeah. me. Because like, kind of like what you're saying, I got invested in certain things, and then I kind of got taken out of it. Yeah, it really doesn't and let you... And that threw me off a little bit. It doesn't let you get too comfortable. No. And like even things like, we end up spending a lot of time with this little boy who wants to be dared into doing stupid things. Mm. And I really don't like this little boy, but his dad's played by Liev Schreiber, oh who gets God. a who He's gets so, a, an atomizer. That, that is the funniest <laughs> fucking... When they're fighting, like throughout this movie, the, their interactions is so fucking great. Yeah. I just love Liev Schreiber at the end when he's holding the atomizer mm. and the U.S. government is like, give that to us. And he's like, come and take it. <laughs> I, just, oh, so I love this. And I think that's the thing I appreciate the most about this movie is it It gave us 
some of the best performances from actors I love that I have not seen good roles in a while. Yeah. And especially Hanks. Like, I can't get Tom Hanks out Hanks of my mind. Hanks was so good. He was the, fucking the scene phenomenal. The, the, the two scenes where he finds his daughter's ashes. Yes. When they're burying <laughs> the ashes in the Tupperware. And, and then, so the, Is that my daughter? The, so he, he shows up in town, <laughs> yeah. and he sees these three little girls with this, this Tupperware, <laughs> and he realizes that that's his dead daughter. With his granddaughters. With his, so granddaughters. his granddaughters. And his granddaughters are performing a witch ritual to bring their mother back. Right. And so they insist <laughs> on leaving the, the Tupperware where it is in the middle of this desert. And then... The lockdown happens, so they're all trapped here for like a week and a half. <laughs> At the end, when they're finally allowed to leave, he's trying desperately to get them to let him bring yeah. the ashes back so he can, you know, bury her on his golf course like a normal person. <laughs> and they are just insistent on not doing it. And he finally just says a little prayer where he's like, I've given up. <laughs> Your daughters clearly want this, and I am too tired to fight it. And that was my one of my favorite scenes when he first comes upon them burying it in the ground. <laughs> and he's so aghast by it. But then his compromise is... All right, we'll do it overnight, and we'll talk about it in the morning. And he's just like, "All right, just do it." I'm like, "That is so funny." I, I love when because the the stuff with Jason Schwartzman and Scarlett Johansson, which we haven't even talked about, is really good. It it, it does have one scene that it just didn't seem like a fit. Which one? The, the full which, frontal nudity. Scene. I was about to say which scene in the bathroom. <laughs> well, the full frontal nudity scene, which I'm I'm assuming it's a body double. That's what we thought too. I'm making an assumption because but, they also talk about it being a body double yeah. in the movie. They talk about her actually having a body double it for just, that scene. I, I think that scene would have worked still if they didn't show nudity. It was a little like it was one of those things where I was watching it. And I was like, "Are we going to see titties?" And like joking. Oh, like, you saw. I didn't, uh, and then, did you hear the story behind that? They they originally gave him an R rating, and they really fought it and said, "We're not cutting it, but you got to give us a PG thirteen. You can't just, you know, give us." A, and they did. They relented really? and gave him PG thirteen wow. with the full frontal nudity. I mean, it's very quick. It's, it is very quick, but it's still like it. I, I didn't like it. It's very striking. Which the 13-year-old inside of me is like, shut the fuck up, man! <laughs> but to me, I'm like, I, it just didn't fit. Yeah. Because you get this, you're getting this, like, they're getting to know each other, like, emotional connection between them, and then you show full frontal nudity. Well, and the other thing is that the, the, the one thing that kind of stood out to me about their relationship was that I didn't really understand why Augie, Jason Schwartzman's character, yeah. was so interested in a relationship three weeks after his wife died. And he's, you know, like, admittedly, he's very brazen about it in spite of the fact that he doesn't want to tell his kids yeah. that their mother is dead. But, like, he's swinging around the ashes like they're just, you know, something to gesticulate with. And so, like, I get it. He's not, like, broken up mm. about this. But at the same time, it was a little weird that he was hitting on this Hollywood actress, like, so quickly. Well, see, that's the thing, though. I think he was because there's that part where he's talking to Hanks on the phone. And he says, how are you doing? Not well. Yeah. And so it makes you think maybe he's just that kind of guy where he's actually crushed, but he just doesn't have. Any he doesn't emotion. know how to show it. Yeah. yeah, doesn't know how to show it. Yeah, so but it, like, I still like their interactions. I still oh, thought I it was I really funny. I I thought all the things of like their back and forths over taking pictures of her. Mm. I thought that was all really funny. Uh, I love when Hanks for some reason what? walks in, <laughs> and it's just like, oh, do you know more? I know more. Do you know more? Uh, <laughs> 
what is happening? And he has his gun in the waistband. <laughs> and it's like that whole costume and everything was... But yeah, when he just walks in, yeah. and he's just like, oh. He, and he, he doesn't even walk into his son's house. No. He walks into her house. Yeah, and, and he just, looks across and he goes, oh, that turned out well about the pictures. Yeah, him. Yeah. And Schwartzman has no reaction to his dad walking in. Yeah. He just holds up the picture. Yeah, that's pretty good, right? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. All of my pictures turn out. <laughs> and like, I, I love the, the scene where Margot Robbie... It, again, we see the entire cast list up top, and we see that Margot Robbie is in the movie, and then we see a shot of her in a pool on a fire escape, and you're like, oh, is this all we're going to see of Margot Robbie? No, she has a really great scene yeah. at the end when the movie becomes a play again, and that that was the moment that I really struggled with, and not in a bad way, in an artistic film way mm. of like, what is this? And what am I supposed to do with it? Yeah. Because you handed me this thing, and I'm looking at it, and I don't know what to do with it. The whole sequence from him walking off stage and going backstage, talking to Adrian Brody, and then talking to Margot Robbie. Mm-hmm. And then we go to the, the acting class, where Jason Schwartzman starts saying, you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep. And then everybody is chanting that. And then you get these kilter angles and Dutch angles. And things go from black and white to color. Mm-hmm. And it's all of the people that are in the movie are in this class. But some of those people don't seem to be the characters that they were in the movie or in the play. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, what is happening? <laughs> I'm so confused by everything that's happening. And which, and you, I'm glad you brought up Adrian Brody because between this and Grand Budapest are probably my two of my favorite roles of his. I mean, the piano obviously stands out. But these two are great. He's always good in Wes Anderson stuff. I think better than he is in anything else. Oh, absolutely. And he's, he's very mediocre in a lot of stuff. Yeah. And then when he does Wes Anderson stuff, it's like, oh, this guy can act still. He still has acting And I jobs. wonder if it's because they're allowing him. And now, mind you, I did like him in Predators. That's the one that takes That was pretty good. He, he was, was good. Was I, I think good. he pulled it off. Yeah. But... That was a weird cast. They allow him to be quirky. Because he, yeah. he's such a quirky person. Yeah. Because you look at Grand Budapest where he's just walking around looking like Rasputin and swearing, yelling yeah. fuck every other word. Yeah. And it's like, it's a super quirky part. And same with this where it's like... He, he has a speedball and he shadow boxes oh, yes! the speedball. Was... But he's not using the speedball that's right there. At first I was like, what am I watching? Yeah. Like, that threw me off. I'm like, what the fuck? What is happening? I was, And I've said that about a few things in this movie, but... That's what I love about these yeah. kind of movies. Because we don't have enough of these movies where we're like, what the fuck just happened? I need to watch it again. Yeah, yeah and like the, the you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep scene. I thought that was going to be the end of the movie. Yeah. I thought it cuts to black. I was like, that's how this movie's going to end. We're not going to see what happens in the rest of Asteroid City. We're just going to yeah. have it end there. No, we do still have an epilogue and we see how everybody leaves Asteroid City and everything. And one last explosion and one last gun chase. And I, I was just like, man, this is... I don't know what to do with it. I'm still just so thrown off yeah. about this one thing. I don't know what to do with it as like a conceit, as a concept, because we see this in exact group mm. earlier in the movie and we're introduced to them in the context that this is an acting class by a famous acting teacher mm. and Adrian Brody and uh, Edward Norton are just trying to get ideas for the, the play on how to have this one scene work out better and so they've gone to this big class of actors to try and see what they would do with this scene and then it comes back to that and it's not that at all anymore and you're just like I don't understand Scarlett Johansson's a Hollywood actress in the story like within the the play the world of the play Scarlett Johansson is a Hollywood actress like a a a Vivian Lee type Mm. Hollywood actress and now <laughs> she's in this acting class. I don't yeah. understand what's happening. <laughs> it's just what amazes me is they can get this cast list. Yeah. And the movie costs $25 million. Yeah. So it makes you wonder. I mean, these guys have got to just be like, yeah, we'll do it for minimum. Nothing. Whatever sad yeah. minimum is. Yeah. 
Because there's no way. I mean, and I'm happy that it the box just the box office in the theaters, forty three million. So it didn't really have any big expenses other yeah. than the budget. So it made money, and I'm hoping home video more people will find it on digital and whatnot. Because mm-hmm. it's so. It's yeah, really funny. I love it. I, it's I love really, really movies. funny. And it's so much better than some of his downers. Like, Darjeeling Limited is still, by far, the one I dislike the most. Yes. Like, I don't really dislike any of them, but I, I genuinely kind of dislike Darjeeling Limited. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of it. I just look at this, and it's just like, but this is so funny, and I keep on saying funny and smart. But it, it is. It's funny and smart. The Brian Cranston scene was one of the hardest scenes that I've laughed at in a movie yeah. in a very long yeah. time. I was pissing my pants and laughing. There's just so many moments like that. I love I love the five geniuses playing the name game. <laughs> and they just can't get stumped. And but at the same time, by the end, they're playing the name game still mm. and they keep on saying blank. And you're like, but what I don't under I, what is happening? What is happening in the middle of these scenes? Have, did you watch it a second time? I haven't watched it a second time. See, I think we need to watch it a second time. Yeah. Because this is kind of like RRR for me. Yeah. I watched it, and I knew I was watching something great, but I couldn't quite wrap my head around it. Yeah. And, you know, this being in English made it a little easier to wrap my head around <laughs> most of it. Uh, but I think if we watch it a second time, I, I, I'm fairly certain that A- minus might become an A or an A+. Yeah, yeah. I would like, say that's this how is, much I enjoyed it while still being utterly confused. I would say this is like an A, A-plus for me, even though it has me baffled at certain times. Yeah. It's the good kind of baffled where you're just sitting there like... This is why I went to film school. <laughs> no, exactly. It's for moments like this. But it's movies like this we should have been learning about in fucking Goldie's class yeah. instead of watching private parts. Yeah. It's like, why couldn't we watch, like, Royal Tenenbaums or something? I know. You know, something I know. fucking artistic that makes you think. And talk about things like how it's directed yeah. and how and, and what impact improvisation has mm-hmm. in the, the script as opposed to written lines and the exact angles that Wes Anderson uses and what it means to have the portraits versus some of his other work because it's only his third movie it's not like he had a yeah. lot of stuff in the tank but Royal Tannenbaum's already has so many Wes Andersonisms so built great. into it Yeah, and you have Gene Hackman doing crazy shit <laughs> was Rushmore the first? Uh, Bottle Rocket was Bottle first Bottle Rocket was first and Rushmore was and then second. Rushmore was second Rushmore was the one that really yeah that was the one that got him on yeah. the, the scene and that was Jason Schwartzman's first movie and That's right. like all these other things because I still love that movie it is so funny to me that Jason Schwartzman has been playing this Wes Anderson character so long that he now plays the father of the character <laughs> that he originated <laughs> Which is that his son? It's not because he it, looks it, just it could fucking have been. like him. It could have been. Like it threw me off at first. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck, yeah. dude? And then you have you have these weird scenes, like the scene on the train mm. where the kid who plays Woodrow, like literally the kid who plays Woodrow, goes and talks to Scarlett Johansson to try and convince her to come back because she's stormed off and won't do the show. Mm. And Adrian Brody has sent her to to give her notes, or maybe it was Edward Norton. I can't remember who, but okay. it ends up being that he was the understudy and he gets put into Woodrow's role permanently at her request Mm -hmm. and at the same time i'm sitting here like is she gonna sleep with this kid (laughs) is she gonna sleep with this kid (laughs) it really seems like she's about to sleep with this kid and then you go back to the movie and it's the 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 parents and also woodrow and her daughter are a a thing and it's it's so many layers there's so much going on and like things that you never understand they have um one of the kids has made a uh device that Flash grows plants, but it makes them poisonous. And I kept on waiting for this to come up in the plot of like, where is this going to come up? Where? And it, it doesn't. Yeah. There's a device that tell the the aliens use to communicate with them, and Woodrow 
looks at it and can identify what it is, but we never get a full translation of what is happening with these dots. And you never feel unsatisfied even though you don't get those answers. It's It's so important for these movies to exist. And I really hope... Like, he's still... I think he's... Let's see. I think he's in his late 40s, maybe early 50s. But I really hope he just keeps making these movies. Because there's not a lot of directors nowadays that are making them. No, and he's really hit his stride in the last 10 years of like going from a quirky director that only people that watch Jim Jarmusch movies watch to a a director that is very well known within, you know, just the, the general media world like you know kids on the internet know who wes anderson yeah. is and they get wes anderson references he's like the non-violent version of tarantino yeah where it's like you have such a unique voice in all of your movies like you can see one of his movies and not know what it is and be like i know exactly who directed yeah. this movie yeah exactly same with the tarantino yeah but it's the, like i mean they are the two most prolific american auteurs of oh our absolutely time right now absolutely yeah denise was, might still be my favorite i think he's canadian technically no, yeah, no, no, I'm saying, like, Oh, just auteurs in general. In general. Yeah, okay, like, yeah. Dune 2, I can't yeah, fucking yeah. wait for Dune 2. I, I, Guillermo del Toro is probably my favorite director working right now, but that's just because I really enjoy watching all, even Nightmare Alley. Yeah. I didn't love, but I found it fascinating to watch. Yeah. I gotta go back and finish uh, The Cabinet of Curiosities. See, and that's it. Like, I didn't love Shape of Water. I liked it. I like Shape of Water it. a lot. I really, really I don't know liked what it, it was about it. Because I love, um, what's his name, Jones. Uh, oh, Doug Jones. Uh, Doug Jones. Love Doug Jones. Yeah. And so to see him actually, even though he doesn't really have a big speaking or whatnot, but... You see him act. Note, just see him as the lead and, and emoting and all that. It's the same like, way that you, like, when you watch Planet of the Apes, you're watching Andy Serkis act. Exactly. Through a monkey. You see Doug Jones act through exactly. this this amphibious man. Um, but I'm t- I'm sorry. You go to Hellboy two and you go to that troll market and know that's all practical effects. And you, you can't fucking beat that. It's so good. You can't beat that. And that that movie isn't. It's not bad. I love Hellboy two. It's it's really entertaining. Oh, and it's, it's fucking great. As far as sequels go, it really holds up very well. I love the story. I love. I I truly. I, it, the only negative is it gives you a setup for Hellboy three and it never. Happens. It never happens. Which still yeah. to this day, because I love Ron Perlman so. Yeah. Really. A little yeah. heartbroken about that shit. Yeah. Like, what are you gonna do? The answer to the trivia question is that uh, Wes Anderson was born in 1969, so so he's got seven years on me. Yeah. Okay, so he's 54. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he's, he's still, still got young. a lot of time. I mean, he's got a good. I mean, he could be a director similar to um, who's the fucker in his 90s? Uh, John Williams. <laughs> no, I was gonna say Neil Simon. It's not Neil Simon. Not Clint Eastwood. No, is he American? He, he did TV though. Uh, the guy that did the Jeffersons and all that. Um, oh, oh, Norm. God, why can't I think of his fucking name? It's a name. His name is Norm, Norm Chomsky, is it? No, it's not Norm Chomsky. If you him and like Mel Brooks, these these guys are in their nineties and they're still making things. And they're still as sharp as ever. Mm-hmm. And I can see Wes Anderson still working. Because, you know, you get you get directors like Tarantino who want to quit after this movie because he feels like he's getting old. And, and it is something you see with, like, Clint Eastwood movies where it's like, dude, stop fucking directing movies because they're not good. The last one he did, Cry Macho, mm-hmm. was one of the most laughably bad things I've ever seen in my entire life. Norman Lear. Norman Lear, thank you. He's like 96 or something, isn't he? He's up there. He's, he's like really... 1922. Wow. Wow. Damn son, twenty two. So he's one hundred and one. Yeah, he's one hundred and one. So, but I could see, I could see him being like that because he, his films are not as taxing. Because what I, I do truly loved about this, also, it was a tight like hour and forty. It's not minutes. long. No, it's not a long. It, movie. it was just 
fucking so precise. <clears throat> and there's so many... It's literally an hour 45. You got it yeah. right on the head. It's so beautiful in every little detail. Yes. Whether it's the, the big details of the, the city itself that they built and, you know, the, the weird residencies. The, mm. the fact that one of the bungalows has been destroyed mm. and replaced with a tent. And the... I fucking love the cantina machine. So fucking funny. So fucking good. To the little Roadrunner puppet. Oh my god. It's so good. good. It's the so first time good. I saw it, I was like, is that a fucking puppet? It's a fucking puppet. A fucking puppet. And then you have the stop motion stuff and yeah. the, the, the practical effects and just the set decorations. And, well, and I love so how, it, beautiful. how the, the actual like image changes from when you're at the play to when you're at... Yeah. It, like everything, the visual shift, like even it's just like, the scaling amazing. of the screen yes. shifts. Yes, it goes from like a TV yeah. show to a film, to like a letterbox. Yeah, it's fucking and it's so, so brilliant. Good. I it's love, so brilliant. I love the the set in the crater when they, oh, yeah. when they have the stupid cardboards on their heads, and oh, it's just I love it. I love yeah. so many little weird quirky things about this movie. And I'm sorry, Halloween needs to put Tilda Swinton and everything. I love Tilda Swinton. <laughs> she is easily one of my favorite actors, and anything she's in, even if it's for a, a little short little cameo or whatnot, I fucking love her. She's so funny. She's great. I forgot that Matt Dillon is in this movie. The fucking mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> if this happens, it's bad. Yeah. If this happens, it's good. It's, it's a 75 cent repair. This is number three. This is never. We've never seen this before. <laughs> that fucking murdered me. And I think the thing that killed me about Matt Dillon is he looks a lot like his character in Something About Mary when he moves down to Florida and gets the fake teeth and the hair. Yeah. He looks so much like that character. It's, it's almost like it's that character who just moved on to yeah. a different performance. Yeah. But I love the moment when uh, Tilda Swinton finds out that they've hacked into the, mm. the outside world and she's like, you didn't bring your friend Dr. Hickenlooper in on it? <laughs> it's like, this is your reaction? I fucking love her. I, fucking I love, love her. it. I love the, the almost fucking paper observatory that they've Ugh. built for this set of just like, it looks both official and made for TV yeah. all at once. And when it's it so shifts good. around it's the so entire... So now I, now I want to go... I, I, I was originally going to leave here and go home and watch and play Tears of the Kingdom, but I might go rewatch this when yeah. I get home. I really like it. I, re- it's, I, I can't get it out of my fucking brain. I now. really like the the three little girls. The three little girls and are their great. their fucking Grecian names. Yes, and I, I love the the young scientist committee and and with the three girls, all they, all I could think about is the three boys from Brave. Uh huh. And I was like, that they remind me. Like it's almost as if they were cousins yeah i love how at the beginning they're like oh these three princesses and they're like i'm not a princess i'm a witch i'm not a princess and and by the end they're like no i'm an alien all of it like in the moment i was laughing really hard and then i was so challenged that i couldn't stop thinking about it and now as i'm reviewing i'm like no but it's so fucking funny yeah. Like, so many moments are just so funny, and in that Grand Budapest way, and, and not in, like, a cynical way. Like, there are some moments in French Dispatch and Isle of Dogs where it's just, like, a little too cynical. Yes. And you're just like, this is a little dark. This got really dark really It fast. got dark, and, like, the French Dispatch, my problem was, is it, it was a little slow. It was a lot. There was just a lot going on. There was on. a lot going on, and I, it just, there were parts, like, too many, like, discussions in the... Um, the writer room. The writer room where I was just like... Ah. See, those were the moments that I liked a lot because they had Bill Murray 
being Bill Murray. Yeah. So he was like, there's no crying aloud. And then he points to the sign that says no yeah. crying aloud. But you, I, I don't know. I, I, for some reason, they dragged a little bit. Because yeah. I, I, I base him in a lot of these Wes Anderson movies to Steve Sisu, which is one of my favorite characters he's ever played. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm like, because ah, that one, they would have moments like that, but it would quickly shift away to like pirates attacking the ship or yeah, something. And yeah. you're like, oh, okay. Where that is French Dispatch kind of lost me. You know, I that is one I need. I might need to go. Rewatch, I need to go though. rewatch it as well because it. I felt very similarly of just like there's a lot here, mm. and unlike this where I, I'm holding all of these things that have been put, all these little weird tchotchkes that have been put mm. in my hand. I'm like, I don't know what to do with all this. <coughs> there, I had like the same armful of tchotchkes, and I was like, I'm fully overwhelmed, and I don't know what to yeah. do. <laughs> yeah, I agree. With you. Whereas now it's like, okay, what can I do with this? And what can I do? What does this mean? And why do I have this? There was just like. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. I think I forgot how to walk. <laughs> I don't understand life anymore. This does, though, have to be potentially the best ensemble cast I've ever seen. Oh, my film. God. It's just endless. If you include all the smaller cameos. Well, like, you get to the point where Adrian Brody's wife in the play mm. is played by, uh, is her? I think her name is Huang Chao, but she was in Downsizing... And uh, the whale, and has been nominated oh, for right. Academy Awards for both. For the, yes, that's and, right. That's and right. it's just like even just this one walk-on role. Apparently, Tom Hanks's wife, Rita Wilson, was in this somewhere. I don't even know where she oh, was. I gotta rewatch that and try to see that. She played uh, Mrs. Weatherford. Probably somebody over a phone. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I need to go back and rewatch it then. God, fucking Tom, I can't get Tom Hanks out of my head. It was so good. Yeah, it was so. Fucking good! And it's just like, I, I love even small things, like the kind of catty nature between Willem Dafoe, oh uh, Edward God. Norton, and Adrian Brody <laughs> when they're kind of sniping at each other in the class. Like, just so many... Stu- the, the, the idea that Margot Robbie is in this movie playing a character who's been cut from the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I... And this is so fascinating. This, this should say something about this movie. And my friends can attest to this. One of my favorite actors has always been Willem Dafoe. Mm-hmm. And I loved any time he was in a movie, I'd be like, Dafoe! I love Dafoe! I loved him in this, and I haven't mentioned him. Yeah. Because there's been so much else to talk about. And he has, like, again, it's similar as Grand Budapest. He has a very small role. Oh, I love But him in Grand Budapest, so he, he's so terrifying. Where he throws the cat out the window. <laughs> well, he has, like, the weird teeth. Did you just throw my cat out the window? And he breaks people's fingers, <laughs> and he, he doesn't talk. <laughs> And he's just—he just growls, and it's just like this is terrifying. And then here he plays like this very weird acting teacher. Yeah. And it just—I love it. It's just so good. You fucking made me think of that. Though. You just throw my cat out the window. <laughs> That's still one of my favorite fucking parts. The moment when he's oh. chasing Jeff Goldblum down is—is is actually oh. scary. It's oh, actually so scary. scary. It's so fucking awesome. Oh my god. Uh, but yeah, so this movie's great. I give it, like I said, it's—it's it's at an A minus. But the more we talk about it, I. I I'm leaning more towards an A, and after I rewatch it, so next week we are definitely doing Oppenheimer. Absolutely doing Oppenheimer. And then the week after, I think we have to really try to, in the next couple weeks, squeeze in at least the first half of this season of The Witcher, because I think the second half comes out July 21st or something like that. And we still have to figure out what we're going to do about Indiana Jones. He's still over (sighs) here. He has a a golden ticket. I unfortunately think Indiana Jones might have to be a streaming thing like Asteroid City. And the way it's going box office-wise, I bet it'll be on streaming sooner than we Sooner than anticipated currently. And it will be one that I I know I'll buy as soon as it comes on streaming. It's, what, $24.99 usually they are. That's what Transformers is. That's what Asteroid City was. Yeah, yeah. Um... But yeah, I, I don't know where we're going to have 
Yeah, and, and the fact that it's going to be an actual trek out, it's not something like we have to make plans and we have to go out and do it yeah. and, and then come back here and do the whole show. So it's not as simple as just like, oh, we'll just do this as an afternoon thing and yeah. come back. And well, like, especially like we had Asteroid City, which was on our list. We had to talk about it this week. Next week's going to be Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. The we got to talk about that, Witcher. We're going to have two episodes of Secret Invasion, two episodes of Strange New Worlds, five episodes of The Witcher. The Witcher. And then after that, fuck, who knows? And by then, the new, the, the second half oh, of The Witcher and, season might be out. And it's the second half, and then isn't Ahsoka coming out? Ahsoka is also coming out. That's coming I, out, we're going to have to watch that. I have that. to try and watch Rebels because it's becoming clearer and clearer that you need to know what happens in Rebels Which, in order to understand what's happening. I did want to bring happening. this up. When, we, when the uh, latest Ahsoka trailer came out, and yeah. I saw Ray Stevenson, I almost I know, crying. I was just like, Because uh, he looks so awesome. He in looks this, so cool. Like, My only thing is this. The more we do this... The worse A New Hope looks. Because it doesn't make sense. Yes. In A New Hope, and in all of the Holy Trilogy, the Jedi are gone, and there's two Sith. Throughout the prequels, we have Jedi, Jedi are all killed, there's two Sith. They keep on telling us that the rule of two, two Sith, two Sith, two Sith. Everybody in there, there's so many Sith (laughs) crawling out of the fucking woodwork now. And you have so many Jedi who didn't die in Order 66. And I'm just like, Han thinks that the Force is a mystical energy. He doesn't believe in it, and neither does half the Empire. (laughs) You're... You're ruining Star Wars! They ruined, they're totally ruining Star Wars. That's going to be a whole different ball of wax, yeah. though. All right, so we got to conclude this, ladies and gentlemen. Nerdpot Generations episode 106 is in the books. Um, I did mention this to Al. I am going to hopefully look into trying to build a website for this show, yeah. just because the show is actually blowing up. But if you want to know a little bit more about us individually right now, you would have to look to our individual websites, which mine is staylorbooks.com. Mine is judsomstudios.work under the Bronx Division tab. And next week, folks, the big it's happening. I can't fucking wait. We had some joke atom bombs this week. Yeah. I think when we come back next week, we're going to be like, those aren't as funny as they were a week ago. Not even close. <laughs> Not even close. So we'll see you next week, folks. Have a great week, friends and enemies.